What's going on, everybody? This is Captain Sean Ice. Welcome in. Hope you're having a good night. This is your host, Chad Minton, with Kyle Perkins. And we are bringing you a brand new episode here. Uh, Kyle, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Uh, how about yourself? Oh, hey, it's always a good time when we get to talk about a Predator's win. And you know what? This team keeps sending us these mixed emotions, these mixed vibes, we don't know whether to write them off, whether to buy the Kool-Aid, if you will. Uh, Kyle, are you buying the Kool-Aid right now, my man? Like, uh, mm, Sorta. Sorta? It depends, it depends on the day. It depends on what team we're watching. Wait a minute. You can't sort of buy the Kool-Aid. You're either going to buy the Kool-Aid or you're not going to buy it. So I got to go either full Jim Jones or nothing. Uh <laughs> Yeah, this team is so hard to figure out, man. They're fickle. I keep I, that's the word I'm stuck on. Fickle. They're fickle. Uh, they they know how to toil with your emotions right now. They're toying with mine, and um, we're about to talk about it here in the opening face off of Catfish on Ice, uh, presented by DraftKings, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you for joining on YouTube if you are right now. Thank you for watching on Twitter. Follow us at Catfish Ice if you could. Um, we're about to do an opening face-off segment here tonight uh, talking about the top five most impressive wins that the Predators have this current season. And I would argue, and we will talk about it, or we'll Kyle's opinion on this, we're going to talk about this. Is the win over the Winnipeg Jets last night one of their most impressive wins in the season? Would you, would you put it in the top five? of the most impressive wins that the Predators have had this season. We have passed the midway point of, uh, of this season. The Predators are three points out of a playoff spot. So they're kind of right around where a lot of people probably expected them to be, despite all of their flaws. So we have to talk about this. We have to get into it and break it down. Let's look at some of their most impressive wins that they've had this season. I would say that the, this win over the Jets last night is one of their most impressive. I'd have to agree. That was a scrappy little game. Very scrappy. Absolutely. And then we are going to look ahead into 2023 this offseason and even go even further out to 2024 and look at – we're going to put our front office GM hats on tonight. I know G, GM David Poyle gets all this criticism all the time. He never gets away from it. All the fans want him gone. We are going to put ourselves in his shoes and look at some of these contracts this coming up offseason and even into 2024. Will these players stick around? Will they be re-signed? What do we think is going to happen? We can even talk about trades. We'll have to get into all that, of course. And then we've also got to talk about this Alexander Carrier stuff here. Uh, he went into – hey, Kyle, this guy never fights. He stuck, He stood up for our boy Cody Glass. He went in there and took on a fight that he probably was outmatched on. Oh, it wasn't probably. That was <laughs> – that was David and Goliath, and he didn't have no slingshot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So he got handled pretty good, but props to him for trying. Props to him for trying. Cody Glass gave him some love in his postgame uh, interview with um, Emma Lingen and all the great work that the uh, Predators website does for us. And, uh, yeah, Cody Glass was like, you know what? I really appreciate him sticking up for me, basically. Uh, so you love to see the camaraderie of the locker room. I thought it was a legal hit. It was legal. I mean, but I can understand why he took offense to it too. Um, you got to stand up for your guys, but then again, you don't want to take an injury on a fight. Then you're not a, especially when you're not a fighter. If yeah. you're not a like, I could understand it if Eckholm had a went over and started throwing hands. Eckholm's a big boy. Uh, Carrier is not. He is not built like a fighter. No. That was his. That's his first fighting penalty ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's weird. And, and we are going to wrap up the episode with some quick hitters. We got some good ones. We got two good ones tonight. We're going to talk about everyone's favorite sports commissioner, Gary Bettman. Um, he is a, a master of making things seem better than they are. So we'll talk about him. He's I've always called Gary Bettman the best used car salesman that's a commissioner of a sports league. Is that, is that fair? <laughs> yeah. He'd be a hell of a used car salesman. That guy's selling you a 78 Pinto, and that's oh, just yeah. all there is to it. He would make a 2002 Dodge Stratus look like a Camaro. <laughs> oh, man. So, Gary Bettman's back in the news. We'll talk about what he said about tanking in the NHL. Um, and then we also will fit in another quick hitter along the way. So, let's get into it. Episode 169, we got some comments rolling in. We got Mike Twitter jumping in. He says, yo, yo, what's up? What's up, Mike? He says, Pred, Predators, multiple wins. Yeah, they're, you know, that's what they are. They are a roller coaster, as we know. Up and down we go. Up and down we go. Justin Gambino, what's up, man? We missed Justin in the last episode. We're happy we have him back here tonight. We love you, Justin. He says, because of the fickleness... I don't know if I've ever said that word in my life. I'm not on the Kool-Aid. Fair. That's one of the best sentences I've ever read in my life. Because of the fickleness, I'm not on the Kool-Aid. If that's one way to describe this Nashville Predators team in 2022-23, it is that sentence right there that our good friend Justin Gambino just spoke. I kind of like the Disturbed song, Down with the Fickleness. I mean. <laughs> Down with the Fickleness. I'm sorry, I had to. That's I'll a great, say, but that is that is honestly a great sentence to describe. Well, that's two sentences, I guess. Um, sorry, English majors out there. Um, that's two sentences. Because of the fickleness, I'm not on the Kool-Aid. That is a great way to describe this Predators team right now. Thank you, Justin, because that we're going to roll with that for the rest of this episode here because that's awesome. Um, all right, so let's talk about this. Uh, the Predators beat the Jets 2-1. to one. You know, the Predators, Kyle, are making a really good 
um, habit of winning these two to one games. That's their third time in the last five games they've won by a two to one score. They beat the Blue Jackets two to one. They beat the Calgary Flames two to one. And also, if I might add, four of their last five wins have been over current playoff teams. No, I'm sorry, three of their last five wins. Three of their last five wins have been over current playoff teams, Calgary, L.A., and Winnipeg. Uh, Kyle, how are you feeling out after this um, this very gutsy win over Winnipeg? It, I think it's one of their most impressive wins of the season. We're about to talk about some of the most impressive wins we think we've had. But just overall, Kyle, what, what did you see from this game, man? I mean, I really didn't have a lot to complain about. Um, UC played well. Uh, the penalty kill I thought was excellent. Um, just guys doing their jobs for the most part. Um, let's see. Well, like you said, man, doing your job is a big part of it. And I think that a team built like the Predators, they're not one of those prototypical, highly talented teams that can just ride on their superstars and be okay. They can neutralize all their deficiencies. No, the Predators are one of those types of teams where everyone has to pull the rope. Everyone. I know that sounds so corny, but it's true. Everyone has to pull the rope. And so when you have your fourth line guys, your third line guys, your bottom pairing defensemen, your goalies, everybody, when everybody is doing their job and performing at a high level, yeah, this Predators team can beat teams like the Jets. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what we saw in this game is that everybody did their job. Everybody came to work and clocked in and put it together a good shift for all of us blue collar people who go and clock in and work a full shift. That's what these guys did. They all clocked in and did their jobs and they got a winning result. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a solid top to bottom effort. Um, most pretty much every line played decently well. Uh, the team played really well down a defenseman. Uh, I think that's a very big deal that they were able to keep up with Winnipeg after losing Carrier like they did. And just not a lot of issue at all, really, with the way the team played. Yeah, I mean, they give up a goal in the first 60 seconds of the game. And you're automatically thinking, okay, this here is going to be – Yeah, here we go again. This is going to be a write-off because, you know, the Predators have beat – they've done a good job this season of beating up on lesser teams. Mm-hmm. If you look at a lot of their wins, they've, they've beaten some teams that are way lower in the standings. They don't have a ton of wins against really high – Highly respected, top-tier teams, if I might say. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a few, and we're about to discuss some of those wins they do have. So when you see them fall behind 1-0 early in a game against a team like the Jets, um, that automatically makes you think, okay, this is going to be one of those games where the Preds get exposed. Um, Because that goal by the Jets was very meticulous. Like, I mean, they diagrammed it. It was another situation where the Predators could not get out of their own zone. They turned the puck over. Saros was kind of left out to dry. 
Yeah, you can argue that maybe he could have made that save. I'm not saying it was the most difficult save to make in the world, but it was a product of turning the puck over by the Predators in front of Soros, and he just couldn't make the saves. He couldn't, he, he couldn't make the save. He couldn't recover. So you find yourself down one nothing. What's so impressive about this game is the Predators showed resiliency. They put that goal aside. They said, you know what? We have a whole game to play here. And that's what championship teams do is Mm -hmm. those things are going to happen. You know, it's hockey. These things are going to happen and quirky things are going to happen. You're going to have some mistakes. You're going to have some giveaways in the zone. It happens early in a game like that. I would venture to say that you would rather it happen at that early point in the game than for that to happen late in a game because you have time to recover. Is that kind of what you saw? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You you never want to have that that goal that shouldn't have been let in happen in the first or in the last two minutes of a game. And how many times has Nashville done that so far this year where they've let that goal in at yeah. the very end of the game and we're all sitting here going, no, mm-hmm. you were so close. It happened in the <laughs> Dallas game, man. Oh, yeah. You know, so the Preds are 0-3 against Dallas this year. In that last game, they were going toe-to-toe with that team, who I think is, you know, the best team in the division, obviously. Um, And they give up a goal in the last waning moments of the game, and they don't even get out of that game with a point. So they're 0-3-0 against uh, the Dallas Stars this year. And and so when you see – you're way more okay with seeing that goal, a goal like that given up in the first 60 seconds of the game than the last 60 seconds of the game. And so, you know, you're okay with it. You can live with it. Yeah. I think if it happens in that first minute, you're like, oh, oh, we got to tighten up. All right. All right. Let's get our heads on. We got an hour of hockey left. We can still come through this. Not panic time yet. Yeah. So, so, the Predators are five, six, and three against the Central Division this year. So very mediocre. Like I'm talking, like doesn't look good on the surface, right? Five, six, and three against Central Division teams. Six of those nine losses are to Colorado and Dallas. Uh, two, two pretty decent teams. Yeah, even with Colorado yeah. being depleted. And three of the last four wins for the Predators are against teams in a current playoff spot. So we are seeing a positive trend here is in terms of we are actually seeing the Predators beat legitimately good teams. And that's, that, that is a positive sign when we're thinking about, okay, I think a big reason why Preds fans are have a hard time getting excited about this team, especially the fans of this team, all right, so first of all, I'm wearing my old-school, tattered Nashville Predators shirt that I've had. It's probably from Goodwill. I don't know where it came from. I really don't. Like, this thing is so nasty and tattered. It's got the old-school Prez logo on the sleeve. I mean, this thing is so beat up and nasty. I don't care. I'm wearing it when I feel desperate. And I'm, I feel desperate tonight, my man, because... I think the old school Predators fans can appreciate this. We have followed this team for so long. And when the team first came about, it was all about making the playoffs and just letting everyone know we're here. 
Like we're here. We're we're a good team. Hockey can thrive in the South. We're here. Well, obviously, it's not about that anymore. Now it's more than that. Now we've got to show people, no, we can actually win a Stanley Cup. That's why fans are so upset, because most fans do not think that this team can win a Stanley Cup. And I totally understand that. So beating some of these playoff teams right now Mm -hmm. is actually a pretty big deal. Do you agree with me, man? I do agree. I do agree. It's... If you can beat some of the teams that you're going to be in the playoffs with, at least be competitive with, because I think we've went past – we talked about this last year. Is it okay enough just to make the playoffs? Mm -mm. It's not. Mm -mm. Uh, And I'm not one of these people that's going to sit here and be like, we need to just stink it up, tank, whatever. Well, Gary Bettman says there's no tanking, Kyle, so – Gary Bettman also says there's no CTE. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyways. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later. Um, I'm not saying they need to tank or anything. But if they're not going to make the playoffs, picking eighth or seventh is better than picking 16th or 17th. Um, that's a whole uh, a, a whole other different class of player you're moving into if you're picking top 10 versus six or seven more spots down the line. Yeah. I mean, here's where I'm at with it. You always want your team to win. I will never understand a fan rooting for their team to lose thinking about draft picks here. Drafting is not a perfect science in any sport. You can find gems of a draft class in a third round, in a fourth round. Now, of course, Connor Bedard is going to be projected as a generational Connor McDavid type of talent. I get it. The dude is electric. You watch his highlight reel right now, and he is literally looks like he's on a video game. I couldn't even do what he does on a video game. Like, he's that good. He's that good. I get it. And whoever is lucky enough to draft him number one overall is, yeah, that's going to be a great boost for that franchise. But to just argue about a lottery and and wanting your team to lose so you can have a chance at picking Connor Bedard is just a loser's mentality. I, I, I would never buy into that. I, I know that some fans want that because they want this team to rebuild. And a lot of fans want the Predators to lose because that will give the front office an excuse to fire John Hines. And then more importantly, that will give ownership to move on firing David Poyle. I get all of that. I would like a fresh change as well. But I'm never going to root for this team to lose. And when I see them beat teams like Winnipeg, like they did last night, and when I see them put everything on the line and come together as a full team, it it makes you happy to be a Predators fan, and it makes you really proud, and it, it keeps you coming back. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I kind of make the analogy to, I don't know who played, you know, like I'm a very average 
golf player. Like I suck at golf, but I love playing. And you know why I love playing golf? Because whenever I get that one good shot that lands on the green and I watch that golf ball go up in there and I'll watch it land on the green near the near near the hole and it makes me feel like I'm a good golf player. It keeps me coming back to that golf course. I I make that analogy to this Predators team. They heart that they, they give me so much heartbreak when they lose some of these games and they underperform. But when they give me games like they did against the Winnipeg Jets last night, it keeps me coming back. And I want to see this team reach its full potential. And they have not even come close to reaching their full potential yet. Oh no, there's. You look at the years that uh, year that Duchesne's had, which he's he's been pretty good as of late. But Forsberg hasn't had a year like what he would want to have. Uh, I would say Yossi would say he's not had a year like he would want to have so far. Uh, so it's it's not been ideal for the team when it comes to their best players having years they're proud of. So there's a lot more potential to be unlocked it's just how do we get to that exactly so let, let's break down this Jets game here um I thought it was the one of the better defensive performances that the Predators have had all season I know they gave up the early goal but from that point on it was one of the better performances when it in terms of protecting UC Soros giving him the open ice to make the easier save uh, you saw guys out there with great defensive structure. The Jets power play goes 0 for 3. Uh, it, wh- what were some of the things you saw, Kyle, when it comes to uh, the the Predators actually having a really good defensive game? You know, the Jets came in top 10 and goal scored per game. So this the, the Jets, you know, they – they know how to put the goals on the board. So the, the Predators rose up to the challenge in that in that regard. I think they really did. I, I really – the pairing with Yossi and McDonough is just so good. The, the, actually, and I'm not even going to just limit it to those two, the top two pairings are so good. Uh, and you know what? I know a lot of people don't like him. I really like Jeremy Lazan. He's a third pair defenseman. But you know what? He is a good third pair defenseman. He does that job well. He kills penalties. He's going to stand in anything in front of anything that gets shot at him. He's going to stand up for his teammates. He's going to do all those third pairing defenseman things that we know and love. So I will. I will beat his drum a little bit and say he's doing – he's the last few games. I think the Winnipeg game was probably his best game he's played. But – He took one bad tripping penalty in that game, but yeah. towards the end of the second period. But those things are going to happen, especially with a player who plays like he does. But we've mentioned this in the last couple episodes. We'll mention it again. I think that Lazan brings – a lot more positive than he does negative. And he does bring some negatives. He does commit some bad penalties. But let's circle around to this then. And we've also talked about this. And this trend continues. The Predators penalty kill is showing that it can be relied upon to come up in clutch moments when it needs to. Yes. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest differences uh, 
from the penalty kill we've had the last few years. I remember, uh, was it the COVID year when Dallas lit us up every time? we? Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Day? Well, even last was, season. Last season, the Predators were one of the worst penalty kills in the league. Oh, yeah, it was embarrassing. It was painful to watch. And then this year, it's like, you know, I'm not terrified on the PK. You know, a team like Carolina, that's one thing. There's but certain teams, against, yeah. Against Winnipeg, it wasn't near as they couldn't find anything. Old. They couldn't even get a shot on goal on Soros. That that was the beauty of it. It's one thing when you kill a penalty off because Soros had to make like four or five really like ridiculous saves, but you were mm-hmm. still like hanging on by a thread. That's one thing. It's another thing when you watch the penalty kill actually suffocate the power play to the point where they can't even find a shooting lane. That's a, that is just the beauty of a game. And that's what happened. That's what happened against the jets that the Preds penalty kill came out and, and built a shell built a wall around Soros. And Mm -hmm. really Soros only had to make maybe I know on natural stat trick, I saw that the, um, that the Jets got four shots on goal in their three power play attempts. Four shots. Mm -hmm. And they only had a handful of shots in the second period. So I'm also starting to realize that the second period is really becoming the Predators' strong point. They know how to – they have been making some serious adjustments out of the first intermission lately. And that – has traditionally been where they're the the weakest is that second yeah. period. It used to be a whole talking point of uh, uh, of the broadcasters was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. here comes that second period. Are we going to yeah. get through it or are we not?" And yep. it's like uh, now it seems like they actually know what's going on. That it's. So you look at this game right here. Yeah. Preds go into the first intermission. They're still down one nothing after giving up that goal in the first 48 seconds. But I don't know if you agree with me, but watching this game and watching that first period play out, I mm-hmm. actually felt a little encouraged in a weird way, even though they were down a goal. I felt really encouraged by how they responded to that and how they got to that first intermission only down a goal. And they really calmed things down. They said, because a one-goal deficit, even for a team like the Predators, who they struggle to score, we know that. Even a team like the Predators, it's a one-goal deficit, and you have a whole game to play. Let's Let's forget that. It happened. It's bad. We made a mistake. Whatever. Let's move on from it. They didn't let it compound into a two or three goal deficit. And that is a sign of progress for this team. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. It is. Cause uh, mistakes are going to, mistakes are going to happen, man. Even the best teams in this league make mistakes and they fall behind a goal. It happens. No one's yeah. perfect. So the fact that they responded from that meant a lot to me. Uh, same. Uh, it was, because they could have very easily just laid down after that first goal and been like, oh, woe is me. God knows we've seen it, this team do it enough times over the last few years. 
Yep. Where they get down one early and it's just like, oh, the wheels have came completely off. Yeah. Yeah. But Cody, Cody Glass responds and ties the game up. We're talking over halfway through the second period. So this was a 1 0 game in favor of Winnipeg from that early goal up until 1349 of the second period. So, I mean, we're talking about the Predators. They had to work their tails off to get this mm-hmm. game tied back up, man. They had the defense had to step up to keep this a one goal deficit. And I'm not taking anything away from Soros because he turned in another really good game. But we expect that from him. That's like one of those things where, oh, yeah, what, what else would you expect? Of course, it's UC Soros. He's going to do that more times than not almost every time out. He is not going to be the reason you lose. So that's to be expected. But the fact that second period – the Jets couldn't even find a shot on goal. They struggled to even get a shot on Soros. And I talked about this before the game. I sent a tweet out saying I was really worried that Soros was going to have to turn in another 40-save performance for the Predators to win this game. Now, pleasantly surprised and happily wrong I was because the Predators – After that first period where they gave up 15 shots on goal, after that first period, the Predators, they hemmed in. They did not give the Jets any room to breathe, and they couldn't get any shots on goal. And that was the huge difference maker in the game, obviously. And obviously the penalty kill going three for three and not giving up Mm -hmm. a power play goal. Soros had a great game, but he didn't have have to have the spectacular game. He didn't have to. Because the defense protected him. I agree. I agree. So, let, so, Kyle, let's talk about the top five wins of the season. Would you, first of all, would you put this Jets win in your top five? I would, just because of how much of a fight it was from the start of the game to the end of the game. It was, yeah. that was, that was a 60-minute effort. Uh, the first period wasn't super great, but the rest of the game as a whole, um, I thought it was pretty awesome. Oh. And it's a it's a 60 minute game everybody and it, and it comes in frames and we all know this if you watch hockey on a regular basis it comes at you in waves. And so just cuz a first period leans towards one team doesn't mean that the second period isn't going to drastically go the other way. It's almost like a boxing match. It's like it can go back and forth. That's why we love this sport. That's why we love hockey. So let's uh let I'm going to throw I also will put this win over the Jets in my top five. So I got four other wins by the Predators this year that I would put in the top five with this win over over, over the Jets last night. My number one, we're, we'll go in chronological order here. My number one win, or I'm not ranking these, I'm just putting them in the top five here. My first one I'm going to bring up here comes back on October 27th. Of last year, the Preds beat the Blues six to two, ended a five game losing streak after coming back from Bern, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. That, all right, first of all, so the Preds beat the Sharks. It, for everyone who needs a refresher here, because time flies by and the season's flying by, for anyone who needs a refresher, it was an absolute 
nightmare coming back from Switzerland for the Predators. They could not find a way to win. The Dallas Stars completely embarrassed them for two games when they come back. They couldn't find a win. If anyone remembers the blown lead to the Columbus Blue Jackets at Columbus, that was one of those losses after they came back from Switzerland. And so the Preds desperately needed a win so badly. And they beat the Blues 6-2. to two, Ended a five-game losing streak after coming back from Bern. I thought that was a really, really huge game to just... Oh, it it to just, really was. Just to stop the bleeding. Just to stop the bleeding. Just to, like, mm-hmm. get back on track and calm everything down. Because it even that early in the season, you needed that win. Especially against a team like the Blues, a team that's one of your rivals... So I gotta keep I gotta keep that in my top five. I know it's early in the season, but that's a big one for me. I have to agree hundred percent because it was looking pretty grim whenever they came back from Burn. Yeah. And it's just like, oh man, what are you, they gonna do? They- yeah, I mean, we look at these games. You lose to Dallas four to one. You lose to Dallas again five to one. Then you lose to the Kings four to three. You lose to Columbus five to three. That was that big debacle where they just like gave up a late lead and just the the barn got blown out and they got beat by Columbus on the road. Then you lose to Philly, who has proven to not be a very good team this year. But might add you, uh, they lose that game three to one. So then they get four days off, and you're going into that St. Louis game and you're thinking. Wow, this is going to get really out of hand really quick, and we just started the season. Mm-hmm. And granted, they turned around and lost again to Washington right after that, but I still think that's a really big win of the season because that losing streak could have really stretched out if they didn't figure out a way to beat St. Louis in that game. So I got that in my list. Also, if you're watching live right now, or even if you're watching later, we want to hear your comments and we want to. Tweet the show at Catfish Ice if you're listening later on Spotify or Apple or any of your podcast platforms, or if you're watching live right now. What are some of the biggest wins for the Preds this season, in your opinion? Tell us, and we will get with you. We got Omar in. He says, Uh, I think this was the most complete game they played start to finish. I think he's talking about the definitely the win over the Jets, I would assume. Yeah. And I agree a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Mike Twitter jumps in. This is also that Blues game. Chad said, "If you want to make some money, bet against the Preds." All right. Yeah, I was wrong on that one. All right, let's move on to another one here on my list. How about November twelfth, everybody? If you can remember that game against the New York Rangers. It was a 2-1 win. The Predators are making a really, really big habit of making these 2-1 wins. Uh, 2-1 win. Saros makes 34 saves. It was Yusuf Parsonen's first NHL goal. If anyone remembers, that was his NHL debut. He Mm -hmm. scores early in that game. And scores it on Shesterkin. And I'm pretty sure when that goal happened, Kyle Perkins was somewhere like waving pom-poms and doing backflips. I'm pretty sure I said I was going streaking. Uh, yeah, he was streaking somewhere through the through the streets of Kentucky somewhere. Um, 
wearing it only his Parsons jersey. Nothing underneath. Nothing I, underneath. I swear I would get one if I thought he was going to keep that number. It was just a Parsons jersey. It was a it was a Finland World Juniors jersey. He he was taking his inner <laughs> Will Ferrell from old school. He was taking all that in, and he was saying we're going streaking down to the quads because Yuso Parsons scored his first NHL goal. And and to Kyle Perkins' credit, he called it. He's been beating the drum on Yuso Parsons all season, all offseason. Go back and listen to previous episodes. Go to our archive. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple. Go wherever you listen to your podcast. Listen to some of our some of our offseason episodes. And I can promise you, Kyle Perkins talked about Yuso Parsons regularly. And so um, you're welcome for that. Anytime anybody would ask or even if they didn't. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's go to my next one. I was at this game at the time. I called it a turning point, turning point win for the season. Might mm-hmm. still be, might still be, but I, I could, I would honestly say that maybe this win over Winnipeg will overtake that. But um, December nineteenth, they they're they're facing Edmonton again, a team that just owns them. And the same Edmonton team that had just beaten them a week prior, um, a team that the Predators had lost like nine straight to, something like that. And they come out and put together a very similar defensive performance that they did against Winnipeg last night. I will argue that Edmonton has a few more offensive playmakers than Winnipeg, but still. One or two, maybe. Maybe. But a still of these, a decent guys. Still a very, very strong defensive team effort against Winnipeg or against Edmonton on December 19th. Dry was held to zero points in this game. We all know how Dry has owned the Predators franchise over the years. He's and it was like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to the Bears and the Oh, you didn't have to bring that up. I'm sorry, man. <sighs> and then it was Tommy Novak's first game being called back. And he got a primary assist on that first goal in the game. So uh, I got that in my top five of best wins of the season. Yeah. So I'm going to throw one in here. Yeah, throw one. And then we're going to go back to December 1st. Playing New Jersey Devils. Who at the time were the absolute hottest team in the Mm. league. That yep. is when the Devils were absolutely wiping the floor with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and we they came out, played a really gutsy game, and won in overtime at New Jersey, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't know how I left that game out, honestly. But that showed that game showed me whenever they have it in their head to play the way they can play, they can play with anybody. Well, that's another that's another example of this Preds team showing resiliency because if you look at this game, they jumped out two nothing. I remember that game actually. Now that I think about it, that mm-hmm. that was another juncture in the season where confidence was low in this team, and you got New Jersey rolling in, the hottest team in the league, and the Predators jump out to a two nothing lead in the first period, and then the Devils storm back to take a three to two lead. And so at that time you're thinking in real time watching this game, you're thinking, okay, predators gave their best effort. 
but the Devils are legit. There are they t- they take the lead. They're up three to two. This game's over. Nice try, Predators, but uh, you're not in the same class. And what do you know? The Predators come back and win in overtime. Michael Granlin scores a goal in this game. He actually scores the tying goal. Uh, can we get more of that, please, uh, Granny? Because you ain't you ain't living up to your contract right now, buddy. But he scored in that game. And then Ryan mm-hmm. Johan- Ryan Johansson scores the overtime goal. Yeah, that's a great game, Kyle, uh, that I left out on the list because that was a huge one. And, and, you know, Soros only had to make 25 saves in that game. So that was one of the rare games where Soros wasn't the primary reason why the Predators won. He actually had a pretty mediocre game by his standards in that game. Yeah, that was still in the part of the seasons where he hadn't got his footing yet. Yeah. That's a good one, man. I don't know how I left that one out. That that might have to overtake the St. Louis game for me, honestly, because that's a pretty big one. Um, here's my next one. Uh, and it wasn't because the team as a whole played a great game, but it's just a matter of it's still a really impressive win, and you can't leave this one out because NHL history was kind of made in a way. How about UC Soros finishing tied for third for most saves in a single game in NHL history with 64 saves as the Predators beat the Hurricanes 5-3 to three on January 5th. I mean, you have to have that in your top five. You have to. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so he, Soros tied for the third highest saves in NHL history with 64, tying... Um, the well-known Joe Daly of 1970. Um, Kyle, I know you have a Joe Daly jersey. Why aren't you wearing it tonight? I know who John Daly is. No, Joe Daly for the Boston Bruins. Did he Bruins, drink Miller Lite and smoke cigarettes while he was playing hockey? Probably did. He probably did. I mean, that era. I'd be, wear- I'd be wearing my Joe Daly jersey tonight, but it's in the wash right now. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm, I just happened to be washing it, and it's still drying right now, so I couldn't wear it for the episode. But Joe Daly is tied with UC Soros for third most saves in NHL history in a game with 64. Um, mad respect to Joe Daly, but we love Juice, and so we're going to put Juice up a uh, tad ahead of Joe Daly. Sorry, Joe. We're a little biased here, but, you know. <laughs> so, I'm going to throw another one in. And this one wasn't even a win. So Okay. Oh, you're throwing a game out there they didn't even win? Yes, because Kyle's I think – breaking it, the rules. Yes, because I think it has a particular significance. I like it. I like it. What is it? And that would be oh, – I lost the date. Hold on. Hold on. I'm finding it. Askarov's first game. No, against the you're putting that as one of your top five games. I will just because of the future significance of it. Okay, that's fair. I like it. It was it was a big deal for him. We talked about it in the last episode. We we did our top three takeaways. We talked about it. Um, I agree. I mean, it was it was huge for the kid. It was. I mean, he rounded out that game after a shaky start. He faced a lot of shots that weren't to his own fault. And yeah, he kind of got held out to. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of a regular occurrence for anyone between the pipes for the national predators this season. I mean, I know they had a really great defensive game against the jets, 
but more times than not this season, the Predators do not protect their goaltenders, and they have to rely on their goaltenders to carry them out. That's why they actually released it today. Two of the top 10 goaltenders in this league right now in goals saved above expected are Predators goaltenders. So, yeah, UC Soros and Kevin Lankinen. And Kevin Lankinen is a backup, and he is top 10 in goals saved above expected. How insane is that? Kevin Lankinen's been the real deal. I mean, the dude is top 10, and he is a spot backup goaltender. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. They they absolutely pull the diamond in a rough on that one. That's all you can say about that. Yeah. It's another reason I do have the Carolina game in my top five best wins for the Predators this season is not only did Soros have 64 saves and they gave up a ton of shots on goal. Uh, the Hurricanes, I think, had like top five most shots on goal in a game in NHL history. So mm-hmm. they were in, they were in their own history books, even though they ended up on the wrong end of it. But how about this? The Preds in that game, once again, you're seeing a common theme here with my list, showed resiliency. They were they came back from being down one goal three times in this game. So even though they get they didn't get a ton of shots on goal compared to the Hurricanes, they they were down one nothing. They were down two one. They were down three to two in this game. They kept find, finding the tying goal. You got goals from Forsberg, Ekholm, Cody Glass, and then eventually. Mark Jankowski, of all people, got the game winner. Jankowski never really did anything that made me say, hey, he shouldn't be playing here. Mm. He's a good but. penalty killer. He, he plays his role in the bottom six very well. I'm all for guys that can play well and play their role well. So, yeah. so I mean, I, I got to put that in there because they found ways to keep tying the game. That was – that game was so crazy, dude. I was on the edge of my seat, not even like exaggerating. I was literally, I couldn't even sit down, actually. I wasn't even on the edge of the seat. I stood up watching this game the entire night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was probably the most exciting, entertaining game they've had all season, and it helped that they actually won. So, um, but, I, hurt. <laughs> but I put the Winnipeg game up there as well. So, again... The Predators get a huge win over the Jets. Again, let's let's go over what they're doing in the versus the Central Division. They're five, six, and three against the Central Division. They are one zero oh, and one against Winnipeg. One one and one against St. Louis. They've already played three against St. Louis. Uh, they've only played one game against the Minnesota Wild, and I think that that is important to mention because that is one of the teams that you better beat head to head if you're serious about this wild card and playoff race. You need to beat Minnesota head-to-head. So that's coming up. They got another game coming up against them in February. So uh, they're 0-3-0 against Dallas. I mean, that's their that's their crib tonight, man. Dallas is just – I, I would really be scared of Dallas sweeping the Predators in a seven-game series. I'm not going to even mince words about that. Jason Robertson just – he, well, he's, he's a man, and then Ottinger. Well, 
when we talk about the Dallas Stars right now, and we're going to kind of talk about what we think, how we think the Central Division is going to end up shaping up. But if you're looking at the Dallas Stars right now in the regular season, the games they lose, these games are going to overtime. They've got eight overtime losses. So it's a team that scares scares you in a seven-game playoff series because they know how to get to overtime, at least. And mm-hmm. guess what? In the playoffs, it's not three versus three. You got to actually go out and win a game. So... No skill contests. Exactly. So, so I'm thinking uh, that's a good sign if you're a Stars fan. If you're getting these games to overtime, even if you're losing in overtime, yeah, that's a little frustrating. But I'm feeling pretty good if I'm a Stars fan right now. The fact that they're getting to overtime and a lot of their losses are coming in overtime. They're not losing in regulation. So the Preds, they can't figure out the Stars. They're 0-3-0. Uh, they're 0 2 and 1 against Dallas. I mentioned or against Colorado. I mentioned earlier that six of their nine losses against Central Division teams are to Colorado and Dallas. They're 1 0 and 0 against Chicago, and they're 1 0 and 0 against Arizona. So, shouldn't be too big of a shock there. So, yeah. Can the Predators start beating some of these top tier legitimate Central Division teams? Beating Winnipeg last night is a start. You got to. If you're going to make the playoffs in any shape or fashion, these are the teams that you need to contend with. These are the teams you should have close games with. It shouldn't be Arizona and Anaheim that you're going to overtime with. It should be these guys. Exactly. So it's it's a big step in the right direction. This is what's going to get fans back on the train, if you will, is when we start seeing this team beat legitimate teams. And I think Winnipeg is a legitimate team. I I, I don't think that they're going to win the division. I, I, I see Winnipeg falling back to third or fourth place eventually, honestly. Uh, I think Colorado is on a train right now, and they're about to really surge up. Um, so I can see – They Col- just made a trade earlier today, so – yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're talking Dallas and Colorado is probably your top two teams, and then you've got a lot of other teams that are going to be battling with each other uh, for spots three through six. So, mm-hmm. I'm talking four teams right now. I'm talking, I'm talking Minnesota, Nashville, Winnipeg, and, um, I mean, those, those are your teams in St. Louis. I mean – I know a lot of St. Louis fans are already ready to like throw this team into the sun. If you watch St. Louis fans mentions right now and you watch what they're thinking about the team right now, St. Louis fans are done with that team, but I still think they're going to stick around. So I'll throw them into that four team mix. Um, And so the Preds are right there. They are. I mean, Winnipeg's good, but I don't, they, they haven't impressed me over the last couple weeks. So we'll see what happens. I agree. It's, do you think? Do you think Dallas is your runaway front runner? Kyle? I think at this point you don't have any choice but to say they are. Yeah. Uh, just they're the class of the division. Just they may even be the class of the conference at this. They point. might be. They might be. And when you look at the Pacific Division right now, I mean, uh, do you really trust Vegas? Do you really trust LA? I mean. 
do you really trust Seattle? It's hard to say who you trust out of the Pacific Division, but when you look at Dallas, and you know we've been saying this for a, a big part of the season on this show, they are a team that really does check all all the boxes as far as a Stanley Cup contending team. They really don't have any glaring weaknesses. Yeah, they they're pretty well set. I'm, so how are how are you how are you going to beat Dallas in a four out of seven playoff series? That's what you have to think about at this point in the season. It's not about regular season anymore. I mean, it is in terms of the Predators because they're trying to make the playoffs. But like, if you're thinking about teams that are legitimately like front runners right now, who can actually beat Dallas four out of seven in the Western Conference? Colorado at full strength is the only team I give a chance to. Colorado is my only team. Yeah, I mean... I don't give anyone in the Pacific Division a chance to beat Dallas four out of seven. No one in the Pacific Division. No, nope. I don't. I don't think so. Um, and as much as I love that uh, Thompson out in Vegas is having a great season this year, it's hard to be that young and a rookie goalie and come into the playoffs and be able to hold up through all that. Because if they play, they're not going to play in the first round. So, uh, I just Mike, Mike Twitter's giving us an uh, NHL d- update right now. He says Stars are tied up with the Hurricanes right now. That's a pretty big game. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's two to two. Last five minutes of the third period right now. So. Um, is this going to be another game where the Stars might lose in overtime, but once again, they at least get to overtime? I mean, that's the it thing is, about the Stars, man. They they figure out ways to get points, man. It's kind of funny because uh, remember like two years ago, the Stars missed the playoffs and Nashville made it because Nashville had all these yeah. overtime losses that, and yeah. Dallas couldn't win an overtime game. Yeah, I do remember that. All right, so, so yeah, Dallas is your current first place team in the Central Division with sixty four points. Winnipeg is at sixty three points. So the Predators did the Stars a little bit of a favor last night by beating Winnipeg. But you know, you got Colorado lurking down there with fifty five points. Um, they're nine points behind Dallas. I don't know if they're able to fully overtake Dallas when it's all said and done, but. If they're on a collision course for a Western Conference Finals or a Western Conference Playoff Series, sign me up for that. I think that's got seven games written all over it as long as both teams are at full strength. And that's going to be a playoff series to watch right there if that ends up happening. That'll be an excellent series if everybody's healthy. All right. So that's kind of how we see the Central Division shaping up. Um, In terms of the Predators – I, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns. Unfortunately, I don't think the Predators are going to make the playoffs. I hope I'm wrong, but I think that this team is just too streaky right now and that eventually they're going to hit another speed bump in their season and they're going to lose like another three or four in the row. And what I feel like right now is the margin for error is so thin for this Predators team that I don't know if they can – 
withstand that, uh, not having a margin for error. So another four or five game losing streak will probably bury this team. And I unfortunately think that's probably going to happen at some point. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I actually think the playoff streak ends this year. I don't think they make it in. I think they're first team in or first team out. So it's it's going to be very close. Yeah, it's going to be close. I, th- I think in the end, Minnesota finishes ahead of them. I could even see St. Louis charging ahead of them. I know St. Louis is is messed up right now, and they're and they are drastically underperforming, and they're three points behind the Predators, and they've got an extra game played, so they're behind the Predators right now significantly in the standings. But I could even see St. Louis charging ahead and getting on a hot streak. They've been streaky all year as well. So I just, when it comes to the Predators, man, like I just don't know how sustainable it is for them to live the way they live and win games the way they have to win games. They were winning so many games in two-to-one fashion. Can you keep that up? I just, I don't know. I don't know if they can keep that up, winning these two-to-one games. It's fun while it lasts. I love seeing it. But this might be the – I feel like this is going to be the year that that the streak comes to an end. Highly probable. Highly probable. All right. So that's how we see the Central Division wrapping up. Before we move on, we're about to talk about some upcoming contracts of note in the 2023-2024 offseasons coming up. Before we do that, let's tell you about DraftKings. DraftKings is the official sponsor of the Catfish on Ice podcast and also the Hockey Podcast Network. We got the NFL playoffs rolling along. We're down to four teams, everybody. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer. You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings. With each leg, you add up to 100%. So even if you're not a new user and you're already on DraftKings, people, get in on the stepped-up same-game parlays. You're watching a game. You're into it. You think something's going to happen. You can bet multiple bets along a parlay and get your each leg up to 100% in winnings. Uh, so we got the Bengals coming up here against the Kansas City Chiefs, Kyle. Hey, I'm rolling with Joe Cole. I'm rolling with Joe Burrow as well. When he smokes that cigar, when he wins, that is like the best. He has such Joe Namath vibes. I I mean, just he does not care, and I love it. And talk about cool under – the man lost three of his starting offensive linemen. He should be dead. I mean, just – I like the kid. He's got a lot of swagger. It's fun if I to watch. If I haven't, if I hadn't been a Bears fan for my entire life, I would be on that Cincinnati bandwagon. You can right still now. be on it. You can still be on it. It's fine. Oh, I'm pulling for them. I mean, they're the they're the local team for me. So yeah, 
So um, um, up in your parts, Kyle, do you see a lot of Bengals fans running around? Uh, a fair few. Um, They've never won a Super Bowl, man. So it would be cool to see them get their first Super Bowl. Yes, it would. Uh, I'm, it would. I'm pulling for them. I think most people who don't have a dog in the hunt anymore out of these four teams, mm-hmm. I would venture to say that most people are cheering for the Bengals at this point. Yeah, I would – I'd say that's a safe bet. And as long as the Chiefs don't get all these gift calls, I I know Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. He's a generationally great quarterback. But coming from a Titans fan's perspective, the Chiefs get so many gift calls. I mean, the refs literally some games just throw the rule book out and make Mm -hmm. sure that the Chiefs get every call. And I swear if I see that in this game and that's the reason why the Bengals lose, I'm going to be upset. But I do think that Joe Burrow is going to prove something to everybody in this uh, AFC Championship game. And then on the NFC side, you got the 49ers going up against the team that took out the Dallas Cowboys. 49ers took out the Dallas Cowboys. Mm Mm-hmm. And you got one of the best quarterback names of all time, Brock Purdy. He looks like he's 12. Is that not the best name ever, though? Is that, like, scripted? Are we, like, watching WWF, like, wrestling or WWE? I guess that's what it's called. WWE wrestling. Um, Brock Purdy mm-hmm. is leading the San I want to see a Brock Purdy versus Joe Burrow Super Bowl. That's what I want to see. That would be a good game. Uh, I just don't think anybody's going to really mess with the Eagles. I'm I'm feeling an Eagles. Yeah, Eagles are good. Eagles Cincy Super Bowl is that, what I'm feeling. I'd be okay with that. That'd be a good Super Bowl too. Just give me Joe Burrow. Give me Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl, and I'll be good with either NFC team. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet five dollars on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes below for details. If you have a gambling problem, need gambling help, need a gambling crisis, we have numbers you can call to get help with that. All right, so let's move along. Let's start looking ahead here. 2023 offseason and the 2024 offseason. And you know what's crazy, uh, Kyle, and I'm sure you've looked at this over the over the you know the past few months. Um, the Preds don't have a lot of big unrestricted free agents coming up in the next two years. Not like any big players. All of their core veterans are signed past 2024. They don't have any big unrestricted free agents coming up. No. So if you're a rebuilding fan, if you're a fan of this team rebuilding, that's not the news you probably want to hear. That's kind of why I've said over the last couple of months that rebuilding is not that easy right now if you're the Predators. It's not that easy. No, no, not at all. So you're looking at your unrestricted free agents in 2023. You've got Mark Jankowski, Cole Smith, Mark Borowiecki, Kevin Lankinen, Michael McCarron. Those are your big ones. You've still got some guys on the um, non-roster 
who are also unrestricted free agents, including Kiefer Sherwood. But for the most part, those are your main ones who are either on the roster bubble or they start regularly. So Jankowski, Smith, Borowiecki, who's been on IR for a long time. We hope that we see him at some point this year. I know he's doing well. We've seen a lot of social media stuff from Burrow, and we wish him the best. We love Burrow. He does does so much for the community. Um, I really, you know, I don't know, man. Let's start with Mark Borowiecki, Kyle. Do you think that – what do you see happening with him in the offseason? I think – that Mark Borowiecki will retire. Hmm. I, I just have a feeling that he, he's going to retire. He's had two really rough health years in a row. He's got two really young kids, and you can see how much he cares about those kids. And I just think that he's going to retire. I could see that happening as well. I mean, he's been through a lot. He, 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 first of all, the style of play he, he plays is very physical and very hard hitting. And so what his body's been through, I mean, I couldn't imagine. And he's been through a lot. And, you know, Mark Borowiecki is one of those, um, just amazing ambassadors for the game where I could see him doing infinitely more for the game once he retires and using his platform and just all the things he does off the ice. Um, obviously he does a lot on the ice as well. Like a fully healthy Mark Borowiecki would be a great thing for this predators team to have right now. But mm-hmm. unfortunately it's just not in the cards and it's not possible right now. But I, I, know that he's going to do great things and continue to do great things off the ice. So if he does retire, you know, all of us Preds fans are going to be following him and we can't wait to see what he does off the ice and all the, all the things he does for the community. Uh, Yeah, I agree. That's, that's my exact thoughts as well. Um, He just, he's such a good dude and I want the best for him. And I, you know, he's taken a couple of really rough head injuries because, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the last two times he's been out and it's – I don't want to see anything bad happen to the guy is what yeah. it comes down to mm-hmm. uh, because he's just a, such a good, likable dude. Like, he's a good human being. Uh, he's kind of in the mold of Pekka as far mm-hmm. as – Absolutely. It's like he's – but he's this big, tough defenseman who fights everybody. But he's one of the most universally liked guys in the league, it seems like. you. I've never seen a player interview where they're like, yeah, we don't like him. Uh, it's always, you know, he's a really good dude. We like him, everything else. So, yeah. All right, let, let, let's shift to another player that Preds fans really um... – get animated about um first of all it's our first episode since we made our predictions about what would happen I, kyle knows what's coming i can see his smirk yeah. um <laughs> we made our predi- we made our predictions about uh a new segment we said what happens first in the last episode last week go back and listen to it it was a lot of fun and we said who what would happen first cole smith scores his first nhl goal 
or Philip Tomasino gets called up. And um, I was on the fence, but I took Cole Smith. And I said in the next 10 games, and I think he did it in the next two games, so I undersold Cole Smith. I'm so sorry to Cole Smith. If you're listening and watching, he probably doesn't watch this podcast. But if you are, Cole, I'm very sorry. I undersold you. I said 10 games, and you did it in two games. So you made me look like an idiot. Uh, Kyle, um, you, you predicted Tomasino to get called up. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think he should thank me because <laughs> my predictions are so bad that the opposite nah. happened. So I was really helping him out. You were. And the building didn't catch on fire either. So that was good. I did say that. <laughs> I did say that. It was awesome, though. In all seriousness, it was really cool to see the team rally around him. Um, I know fans are so irritated that he's starting and they think that there's better players. I Okay, that's fine. But, I mean, Kyle, you've talked about this before where we don't really understand all the hate that Cole Smith gets. I mean, because it'd be one thing if he was a very, like, lazy player and he made lazy mistakes and he didn't bring the energy and and he was kind of one of those players where it's like, the dude doesn't even like bring it. Like he's just like out there for no reason. The dude brings it 100% every game for every, for yeah, he doesn't have the talent level on offense of a lot of players, but the dude is going to give you the full tank of gas every game. He's going to empty out the fumes and give you everything he's got every game. So it was really cool to see him get that first goal. That said, I still think it's a – all right. You put Yuso Parsonen off the top line with uh, Duchesne and Forsberg – or Granlund and Forsberg. And you put him with Sissons and Smith. And he still had decent production since he went down. But you know who hasn't? Philip Forsberg has not scored a goal since they took Yuso Parsonen off his line. Hmm. He is That's now with noteworthy. five or six games without a That's goal. That's noteworthy. That's very noteworthy. His, his last goal he scored was off a of Parson and assist. Mm. And has not scored since. Anyways, well, we'll get back to the contracts. No, that's that's noteworthy. No, I that's very noteworthy. Didn't realize it. That's that's a good point. Um look, let's talk about Cole Smith, though. So he's gonna be an unrestricted free agent. Do you think because he's not gonna be expensive? So, do you think the Predators sign him for another minimum one-year deal in the offseason? I mean, sign him to a minimum one-year two-way contract so you can send him down to Milwaukee. I don't know if a two-way contract is going to be enough to hold him here, though, man. I, I do think there are a couple teams who will be willing to get in on him not for a high AAV, I'm saying, but he's going to have some options. I'm not saying he's going to have a ton of options, but he is. There, there's going to be teams out there who see what he does and think, we need a guy like that for our fourth line. So I do think if the Preds really do want to keep him past this season, that they are going to have to like negotiate a little bit. I could well, be wrong. I wouldn't do it. I could be wrong, but I could see a team out there. All it takes is one team. We've said this before. All it takes is one team to love a guy. 
So oh, yeah. if, there, if there's a team out there that feels kind of a little soft on their fourth line and they're like, we need a guy like Cole Smith who has a high motor and has uh, a high physical game to his, uh, to his repertoire, then the, if the Preds aren't like, if they want like you said, Kyle, I don't know if I'm getting in a bidding war with anyone to keep Cole Smith. So if there are other teams out there who might want him more then you let him go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it- Absolutely, that's not a guy you overpay for. No. All right, let's. I'm I'm thinking minimum one year deal. See if he gets even better. Because I will say this about Cole Smith. He's only been in the league for three years, and this is his really only his second season to really get consistent playing time in this league. And his first two seasons in the league, he hardly got any shots on goal. Hardly any. This is his really his first season in the league where he's actually getting shots on goal. Now, granted, he still hasn't scored but one goal, but he's actually opening up his offensive game a little bit more. He had no offensive game before that. So you might take a flyer if you're from the perspective of a Preds front office, like you said, of saying, yeah, we'll give you another minimum one-year two-way contract and give you another year to see if you're going to get even better and show us a little bit more, but you're not getting in a bidding war. No, no. Okay. What about Lankinen? Let's talk about Kevin Lankinen. We've talked about this before. Um, I don't see any way that the predators can keep him. No, no. Uh, I mean, he's gone. yeah, he's gone. He, he had his one year tryout. He's done a lot of good things for this team. We are going to thank him for doing all he's done for this team. And hopefully down the stretch, he'll do more for us. But um, if he makes it to the offseason, if he's not traded, because I'm still leaving that on the table, um, if he's still on this roster going into the offseason, he will definitely get a very, very well-deserved pay raise from another team. 100%. It's not even a – it's not even really something to – even discuss he's gonna he's gonna make some money so our first three players we've brought up is in terms of ufas in 2023 we have very low confidence are coming back and cole smith mark borvieski kevin lankinen what about mark jankowski that's a tough one mark jankowski has looked good in what times he has actually gotten to play uh really don't have a lot negative to say about him uh i would re-sign him for a minimum contract i mean if he's willing to take that absolutely give it to him you need to fill out that roster my thing is i don't know if that's enough to hold on to him i think he's done enough to maybe get a better deal somewhere else possibly um he's gonna be a player that if you really want him you're gonna have to do a little bidding you're gonna have to do a little bit of uh negotiating because I do think that there's going to be teams who would like to have him. Uh, You're talking about a guy who's 28 years old. So he's still very much in the prime of his career. He's bounced around the league a little bit, but you know what? You're talking about a guy who has played his role very well for a minimum contract for almost his entire career. And at 28 years old, that's enticing. 
So I think if the Predators want to hold on to him, they're going to have to bring a little juice to the table. They're going to have to show that they want to keep him. Otherwise, I think Jankowski's gone as well, unless the Predators really want to keep him. Yeah, I think he's, he's making seven fifty this year. He deserves a pay raise, in my opinion, from somebody. Not a big pay raise, but I think he's earned a. At twenty eight years old, Jankowski is going to be looking for a more stable. I'm not saying a super long term deal, but he's going to be looking for something more than a one year minimum. Yeah, I think he's going to be looking for more than a one-year minimum, and I think he's playing for that this year. I think he's showing that to us when he plays this year. He knows in the back of his head, whether it's with the Predators or someone else, he's 28 years old. He's got to prove something, whether it's to the Predators or other teams when he becomes a free agent later this year, um, that he's worth you know investing in a two-year contract maybe um, for you know like a million, million and a half a year or something like that. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what he does the rest of this year to raise his value in terms of the uh, Predators front office uh, eyes or whatever. But he's a player that as long as he continues his play, I would try my best to hold on to him in the offseason. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, very good player, just a – solid guy that you're not going to have to worry a whole lot about. He's going to play his role, play it pretty well. Nothing then, to really complain about there. And then we got Michael McCarron. He's gone through the player assistance program and we're, you know, these are things that are way bigger than hockey and way bigger than, you know, what happens on the ice. You know, Michael McCarron, uh, first of all, um, my family has gone through substance abuse. I know the impacts of what, all that Matt means and what he's, what he's going through and his private um, battles that he's going through beating that and getting through that program is way more important than anything he could ever do on the ice. So I'm very, very happy to see that he's gotten through that part of the program with the player assistance program. Um, Michael McCarron, just speaking purely on ice. I would love to keep him around in this organization because I think that he is a locker room guy and you need players yeah. like that. You need players like that. That brings the locker room together. Michael McCarron is a really, really prototypical, strong fourth line guy. You can rely on and you need guys like that. So I don't know. He cleared waivers. He had to go on waivers after completing the program. He's with Milwaukee. Now we'll keep tabs on what he does uh, and we'll see what happens in the off season. He could resurface back on the team uh, later this year. We don't know. Uh, I do know that this coaching staff has to make sure he's ready to play NHL minutes again. He might not be ready for that right now, but he's shown in the past that he can play on, on the NHL level and be relied upon to be thrown in for starts when called upon. So we'll have to wait and see. agree with that one yeah uh i would love to keep him around i would like i i hope that they can keep him in this organization because i have a lot of respect for michael mccarran and um everything he's going through uh restricted free agents you know these are a lot of guys that you would expect the predators to hold on to to retain but we got cody glass tanner janot tommy novak dante fabro 
and now Alexander Carrier, all scheduled to be RFAs. Uh, Kyle, out of all those guys, is there any player out of those out of that group that you're worried about, or you think they're probably not going to make it next season? I think all those guys will be back. There's even Fabro, even Fabro. I never said I wanted them all to be back. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I do believe they'll all be back. Um, that said, I think you throw the Sisson special, as it were, at Tanner Janot, try to lock him up for term uh, mm. for a good six, seven-year contract, decent money. Um think he adds a lot. He's a lot of the attitude of the team. He fits Nashville well. And he got a big goal against the Jets last yep. night. He finally, finally got one He in. finally broke that curse. I think you, from what we've seen from Tommy Novak, I think you give him something similar to the deal they gave Ellie Tolvin. That two-year prove it, we're going to keep you in you the NHL. I love that. You definitely have to pay Novak something. Um, he's because he's played excellent. Player. Yeah, he's earned it. Um, he he's like a young Sissons to me, is what he. Co- yeah, and Cody Glass isn't going anywhere. We know that. No, no. The team will make sure they they get him signed. Uh, Dante Fabro is still very much a up in the air type of player. He's still a trade piece, and you're not going to know whether he's going to get traded or not until it happens. He is yeah. like. He, He's a top trade piece, but it, it's gonna. It's if it happens, it's gonna happen instantly. Like, and it's gonna be closer to the deadline. It's gonna be all about where the Predators are at yep. in the standings. And just because the Predators are competing for a playoff spot doesn't mean they're not gonna trade guys. They might get in on it where they want to add to their own roster, and they involve. Fabro in a trade to get someone else they really want to make their playoff chances better. So I'm thinking that Dante Fabro is still number one on your trade list. If you're the predators, he's the one guy out of your RFAs here that, you know, if I'm a betting man, he's the one that doesn't make it next season to next yeah. season on this team out of those guys. Let's look past 2023. Let's go to 2024. It gets a little bit more interesting. You get a couple more core players that fit in. Nino Niederreiter becomes a UFA at that point. I think that depends 100% on the money. It absolutely does. I like Nino. I'd love to keep him around if he's still producing at that age. Uh but if the money ain't right, let him go. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean if I have to say this right now, way out at this point, I would say he doesn't resign at that point. Yeah. Um, but I could be wrong. Yakov Trenin becomes a UFA. Uh that's gonna be a big one in that offense. That's gonna be an interesting one because yes. remember he almost left before. He will get uh, plenty of offers. Because that, that's a guy that keeps trending upward and he doesn't get nearly enough credit that he's owed. No, he really doesn't. All. I know a lot of the core fan base and the fans that really watch the team closely know 
how great Yakov training is, but maybe for the casual fans and definitely for the fans outside of the national market who don't follow the Predators closely, Yakov Trenin does not get nearly enough credit around the league that he's probably owed uh, outside of the market. And then also, if if you don't get – you still got Janot, Novak, and Carrier who will be unrestricted free agents if they make it past the RFA stage and they're still on this team. That's something that's listed on Puckpedia and Cap Friendly. They can still be UFAs in 2024. So you got to keep an eye on that as well. So just going all the way out. But still, if you really think about it, all of your really core players and the and the players that fans really get upset about for not producing at a high level, they're they're with mm-hmm. this team for the long haul. You're talking Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Mikel Granlin, Colton Sissons, which if anyone's giving Colton Sissons flack, then they're really not watching very closely. Uh, well, but we forgot about Carrier. No, Carry, yeah, no, Carrier's, yeah, he's an RFA this this offseason. Hmm. Yeah, you gotta sign him. Yeah, he's 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 not he's an RFA. I've he he's also a trade piece, possibly. Yeah, uh, and I've I, seen I don't him, think it happens, but but he's been brought possible. up as a trade piece. But uh let let's shift to that actually. So uh Kyle, what are you thinking about? It's kind of it's very unclear. If he's going to miss any, he could, he might not miss any time. He's listed as day to day right now per uh, Emma Lingen of the Predators website. Um, But he, he, we mentioned it earlier in the episode. He stepped up in the defense of Cody Glass taking that hit against uh, Stanley, Logan Stanley, who is a brawler and loves to fight for the Winnipeg Jets. And Alexander Carrier took his first fighting major of his career. Is that right? Yeah. I appreciate the hustle. I re- appreciate him going out for a teammate, but wow. If he ends up getting missing long-term action because of that fight, that's going to really hurt this team because they need him right now. Yes, they do. Uh, and I think it really um, – I worry about what it does to Matias Eckholm. Uh because we saw how much Matias struggled playing with McDonough at the beginning of the year. Um, they paired him with Fabro for a little bit. Uh, didn't work out so well. But it seems like him and Carrier together is just magical for some reason. Those two guys play together so well. It seems like it lets Ekholm play his best hockey. So... Yeah, I mean, he's day-to-day right now. That could be anything. I, you know, they keep these injuries under under wrap. I I would expect him to definitely not play the next game. Just I would out of, say so. Out of precaution. We won't know until the day of the game. You know, they play New Jersey on Thursday. So, tomorrow or tonight, if you're listening to the podcast right now on your drive into work, then we will find out at some point today if Carrier will be able to play in this game, but it doesn't seem very likely at this point. If anything, out of precautionary reasons, you wouldn't play him. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? We won't find out until Thursday, but do they call up someone? What, what would you think? Uh, McEwen? Do you think we get McEwen back in? I would Rolling think McEwen? so. He, he's a solid guy. 
he's kind of your um, guy that you're shifting back in in these moments is Roland McEwen. And he has actually proven that he can step in in these moments and play alongside. Um, I, I'm assuming you would put him alongside Lazan and move Fabro up. Probably. I, I, mean, I think that's, that's, that's probably what you got to do. Most likely scenario. That's probably what you got to do. So, um, but it's not ideal. This is not an ideal situation, but injuries happen, unfortunately. You know, it sucks that it happens in a situation like that. But um, the fact that they made him day to day gives me hope that hope that maybe he might just miss a game. Yeah, that would be really the best case scenario right now. If they can get him back after one, uh, they got the big break coming up. Yep. So. Yeah, so if you hold him out of this game against New Jersey, then the Predators have a long break. So days, I think. Yes. So you absolutely do not play him in this game against New Jersey. Uh, yeah, I think long run, looking at things, you want him healthy for the season. Mm-hmm. So why risk an injury? Now. Making it making it worse. We don't know the extent of the injury. All all it's called is an upper body injury. So we don't know the extent of it. But why push it? The only way you're playing him in on Thursday against the Devils is if it was like a one of those situations where it was kind of a scare, but it wasn't as bad as we thought. But I'm thinking it was probably a pretty scary injury in some way. Um, when you hear upper body, it could be anything from a shoulder to a collarbone to a head injury. We don't know. They just say upper body. So you don't mess around with stuff like that. So you rest him. You give you give Roland McEwen in there. He's already shown he can play. And hopefully you would think that, he, that, that Carrier will be ready to go after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Let's get it. Let's get into our NHL quick hitters. We got a couple to throw at you here to round out Catfish on Ice episode 169 with Chad Minton and Kyle Perkins, brought to you by DraftKings promo code THPN. And we are members of the Hockey Podcast Network. So many great podcasts that you need to be following. Go follow at HockeyPodNet on Twitter to find all your best hockey podcasts. There's so many good ones out there. We have a great family of podcasts that uh, we love being a part of, and we're so thankful for that. And also follow us on Twitter at Catfish Ice. Hit up our YouTube channel if you're watching right now. Go hit that subscribe button below right now and help us out and comment on all of our live streams. And it makes the show so much better when we have our listeners and our community of watchers get in on the conversation. All right. Bruce Boudreaux gets fired by the Vancouver Canucks in a really, really crappy way. I mean, like a really odd way. He just took over the team last year in a, in a really horrible situation, turns the team around. uh, Then comes into this season. Yes. The Vancouver Canucks have been a big disappointment in the Western Conference. But the way they let him go, he basically knew he was going to be let go while he was coaching the team that night. Got a big ovation from the crowd. Was You know, tears were flowing. It was all <laughs> over social media. What, what What's kind of your whole takeaway from this, uh, Kyle? 
I think he got done dirty. Just uh, that whole organization right now is an absolute crap show. Yeah, it's just it's, it's a it's, it's a pretty major mess in Vancouver right now. That's another team you're talking about that's never won a Stanley Cup. So think about perspective here. Because, you know, Preds fans are upset because we haven't won a Stanley Cup yet. We've been around for 23 years or whatever. So it's like, yeah, we get that. Actually, twenty. how long have the Predators been around? 24 years? Uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so it's like, I get it, but the Canucks have been around longer. Mm-hmm. They haven't won a Stanley Cup either. They've had a lot of playoff failures. Uh, the Preds have done some battles with the Canucks in the early years when Roberto Luongo was in that. Um, but yeah, Canucks fans are upset, but I don't, you know, Bruce Boudreaux is one of those coaches where his playoff resume is not very strong as a head coach, but he is loved by his teams. The teams oh, he, yeah. he has coached, those players play hard for him. The fan, the fan bases that he's coached for, have loved him. I definitely don't think he's done coaching in the NHL. Uh, it's a matter of where does he land. Um, obviously, right now, the Predators aren't looking for a head coach. But just hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, do you think Bruce Boudreaux would be an upgrade to John Hines? Hypothetically. Uh, people are going to not like my answer, but I don't really think so. I think that's fair. I, I you, just, you can like the guy and think he's a very likable guy and cheer for him and also say that the Canucks organization did him wrong. But you can also say that if he brought him on, as for the Predators right now, obviously, hypothetically speaking, um, that it would be a lateral move. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it's a downgrade at all. Uh, lateral. It's a lateral move. Yeah. I think that's... I think, you know, obviously right now, the, the Predators are not going to go through a midseason coaching change. That writing is clear. The Predators are three points out of a playoff spot. They are not going to fire John Hines. So everyone get this delusion out of your head that John Hines is going anywhere. You know, we talked about it earlier in the season. We did a whole episode about it, talking about will John Hines make it through the season. And we kind of floated it around and talked about it, argued about it. And you can go back and listen to that episode way back a couple months ago. But, like, judging where the team is at right now, there's no way that, that they're going to let him go during the course of this season. Now, you can, judging by how the rest of the season goes, maybe you can make an argument that something might happen during the offseason. It would have to get really bad, and the team would have to really, really tank here in the last uh, 30, 40-plus games. But John Hines ain't going anywhere anytime soon. But would Bruce Pedreau in a hypothetical situation make this team any better? It all comes down to talent. It comes down to what you have on the roster. And it comes down to these highly paid players, which are really amazing co-host Rich Howe, who will be back with us soon. He's had to miss another episode tonight, but he will be back. 
he Rich Howe has talked about this. He he has really been at the forefront talking about this in previous episodes, everybody. Rich Howe has always said, what are the highly paid players on this team doing? You can hate on John Hines all you want, but he is the coach. The players have to produce. And Rich has always said, what are these guys doing? What are they showing to live up to their contracts? So would Bruce Boudreaux magically make these players somehow play up to their contracts? I'm skeptical about that. I mean, I don't think he's going to be able to make them. It's it's more of a they've got to want to. And I get that it's about systems, and Bruce Boudreaux does coach a more offensively aggressive system. But you've also got to have the players on your roster to implement that system. Do the Predators have enough offensively talented players to implement a system like that? You can argue maybe because you're seeing Parsonen and Glass and Novak get integrated into this team. So maybe a more offensively minded coach would be the key to making this team a more higher higher scoring team. You can argue that, and I would buy into that argument and be open to that. But yeah, I see it as a as a lateral move. I do think Bruce Boudreau will land somewhere, probably next season or over the off season. He'll get a job somewhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think he's done coaching by any means. Maybe Columbus. I could see him landing in Columbus. I could see him landing in Anaheim. Anaheim's a mess. Anaheim should have been so much better this year. Um, I know they weren't a Stanley Cup team, but they shouldn't be a last-place team. Columbus, same regard. Shouldn't be a last-place team. With Johnny Goudreau and all the offseason moves they made, they shouldn't be as bad as they are. So when I think about Bruce Boudreaux and where he could possibly land in the offseason, I think Columbus and Anaheim are the top two teams I think of first. Uh, Probably. We see a lot of coaches in this league who who get recycled. Uh, Pete DeBoer is a perfect example for the Stars right now. Look what he's doing. Uh, Rick Bonus has been recycled a couple times. He leaves Dallas. Dallas fans couldn't wait to get rid of him. He takes over for Winnipeg, and Winnipeg's you know top two in the division right now. So you see these recycled coaches all the time in the NHL. So I think if Bruce Boudreaux wants to coach again, he'll, he'll land somewhere. Yeah. Let's wrap it up with this. Let's get into our favorite commissioner, of all sports, Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman. Uh, Gary Bettman says that nobody tanks in the NHL per uh, TSN. I got some uh, audio here, but before I share the audio with the audience, uh, with the audience, uh, Kyle, just give me your uh, initial thoughts on that. Do you believe him? Do you think he's true? Do you think that teams oh, don't no. take? No, no. Gary Bettman, we were we were talking before the we started recording, and you said that he reminded you of a used car salesman. <laughs> and I yep. think you couldn't give a better description of Gary Bettman. He's the guy that puts an egg in the radiator to get the radiator to not leak. 
yeah. and sells you the car that way or puts stop leak in the oil or something like that. He is that kind of guy. He is just my, my first vehicle was a 2006 Dodge Stratus. Was ugly as sin. It was such an ugly car, but it was my first car, so whatever. Um, I think that Gary Bettman would sell that same car right now, like it was a 2020, like brand new, you know, car. Like he's the dude is definitely has used car salesman vibes for me. Um, let me pull up this audio real quick. This is from Darren Drieger of uh, of TSN. Let me pull up this audio real quick. I'm just going to share a little bit of it. This is from TSN. Do you believe Bettman when he says nobody tanks? This is from Brian Hayes, Jeff O'Neill, and Jamie McClellan, uh, who who were joined by TSN Hockey Insider, insider uh, Darren Drigger. We'll share some audio here. How was the league, based on who you were talking to, Dregs, how did they respond to Gary Bettman's claim last night that nobody tanks, that tanking doesn't exist? In the NHL, does anyone actually believe that, or do we all know the true answer? No, I mean, well, you're leading the witness here. Yes, I am. Um, yeah, but I see. I don't want to sound like a guy that beats a drum for Gary Bubbin, but I, I do understand and I appreciate what he's saying because, to a degree, I believe it. And and you know, not to go down this path again. We've all we all agree. Players are going to play. Coaches are going to coach. So it comes down to management and ownership. And yeah, of course, there are certain situations and you can, you know, pretty much identify right now who the teams are in the NHL, where management is being brutally honest with, with their coaches and their players. We're not giving you any help. This is what it is. And in fact, we're going to move out players. That's the reality. So is that how we define tanking? I guess so. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean, I know that there were eyebrows raised when Cole Caulfield last week was, you know, all of a sudden deemed to be, you know, needing of, of shoulder surgery. But, you know, there's a situation where he probably played 10, maybe less games where it was dicey, where they felt like they were going to have to pull the plug. And then they just decided that they needed to. Well, is it convenient to the Montreal Canadiens? It certainly appears that way to be on the outside. Then from Coffo's perspective. Okay, so he's he's kind of going into like resting players and injuries and the Montreal Canadiens. But I think the important part of what they were saying there is do, do teams in front offices when they know they're way, way out of it and realistically speaking, they have no chance. Um, do they intentionally kind of sabotage the season? Absolutely, that happens. Mm-hmm. And like, if I put myself in that position as a front office manager, and I was running one of those teams where I saw the writing on the wall, and I realized, okay, this season's going nowhere. We have to drastically reshape this roster to be content contenders. Um, yeah. Where I'm gonna, you know, if I'm in that position, I'm definitely letting my younger players play more. I, I'm seeing what the future holds. I'm living with the consequences, even if that means a lot of losses and growing pains. 
And yep. I'm doing everything I can to get draft capital and get draft assets. And if that means landing a top pick of Connor Bedard, then sign me up for it. I don't think teams intentionally tank, and that's what Darren was saying on that clip there. I don't think players go out there and intentionally lose. Hockey players aren't wired that way. They're not going to go out there and intentionally lose a game and throw a game. No one thinks that. So in that regard, I do think Gary Bettman is telling the truth. But do front offices think about it from that perspective? Like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and kind of throw this season to the wayside and think long-term future. I think that happens as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know they do. You know they do. It's come on, Gary. We're not kids. We know better. Yeah, it's like it's like when Gary Bettman comes out and talks about um, how those on-screen ads during games look so great, and that the fans love them. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah. Like you feel like you're having a you feel like your TV's glitching when you see some of these. uh, And they start flashing. Oh my gosh! Yeah. When they it's, start it's flashing on the blue line, and, and oh god, it's just awful. And then uh, I know Bettman's been quoted as saying that he thinks he's getting a, a really positive reception from fans on these uh, on ice promotional ads when you're watching these games. Uh, when it looks like an on ice glitch on your TV, you you want to shake your TV and be like, "That's not supposed to be there," but um. Boo, Gary, boo. Good old Gary Bettman, the gift that keeps on giving. But, um, yeah, this tanking thing is going to be way at the forefront this year just because of Connor Bedard. And it's gonna, you're gonna, we're going to keep hearing it because this draft class is loaded. And it's yeah. not just Connor Bedard. This draft class is deep. It's way deeper of a draft class than we've seen in the last couple of years, mainly due to the fact that scouts can finally do their jobs. We're getting away from um, the COVID restrictions and scouts can actually go out there and see these, uh, these players play these prospects play. So we're going to have a way closer look at, at what we're getting in this year's draft class. So there are teams who are going to be willing to get up there in the draft and pick and they want to pick in the top 10. They wanted to pick in the top five. I'm not saying the players on the ice are going to lose on purpose, but front offices absolutely are thinking about that. We're talking about these front offices of teams that are way back in the standings. I don't think the predators are in that. David Poyle's not thinking that if anything, David Poyle's thinking about who he can buy. I hate to tell all y'all that, but he's going to be a buyer before anything. He ain't selling most likely, whether we like it or not. All right, everybody. This has been episode 169 of Catfish on Ice with Chad Pitt and Kyle Perkins. It's been a lot of fun. We appreciate you staying up late with us. If you're listening on your drive into work today, Preds play. Who did the Preds play tonight? Tell me, Kyle. Is it New Jersey? It's New Jersey. Let's get because yeah, they're playing. They're honoring. Never mind. Never mind. I'm wrong. You got to say Last game before the All-Star break, everybody. So we have to get this win. Let's end it on a good note. Thank you for listening to episode 169 of Catfish on Ice. We will see you after the All-Star break. Subscribe to the YouTube channel below. Follow us on Twitter at Catfish Ice. Interact with the podcast. 
Tell us what you're feeling about the Predators right now. We always appreciate the comments. Have a great night. We love y'all. Take care. See you, everybody.